Mike Ward speaking. Hi, it's Leanne calling. Leanne Brown, how are you? <laughs> good, how are you? I'm good. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you okay. Is this all right? I'm sorry, it's just my cell phone. It's, I know it's lousy quality. No, no, it's perfect. I'm so excited to speak to you. This is the part where I'm going to gush over you. I am a huge <laughs> fan of what you do. For anybody who hasn't heard of you, you are an avid home cook, although I think that's you being extremely modest. You are a cookbook <laughs> author and you wrote Good and Cheap, which is Eat Well on $4 a Day. And I think this is revolutionary. It's a cookbook for people who, with very tight budgets, particularly those on food stamps. And this is where I really fell in love with you. It's a PDF and it's free and it's been downloaded more than a million times. But this is what I really love. You, you use that to spearhead a project to fund a print version of Good and Cheap that would get into the hands of those that couldn't otherwise afford it. And as I understand it now, to date, that has essentially donated more than 70,000 copies of the printed book. Hang on, I haven't stopped raving about you yet. You've won all sorts of... Oh, I have a big crush on you. You've won all sorts of awards. You were voted Forbes 30 under 30 list of food and drink. Fortune named you one of the most innovative women in food. How, how on earth did you give birth to this cookbook idea? <laughs> well, so it, I know it sort of sounds like a lot now, and it's been an incredible experience, um, but it really started out you know, pretty humbly. It was my master's thesis project. For a person who loves to cook, like you and I, and for, I think, a lot of folks out there who enjoy cooking, we kind of know that um, you can have so much good food for very little money. You know, we have experienced this many, many times in our lives. But if that's not something that's sort of your daily experience, that can be difficult to understand. And in fact, there are a lot of messages out there that are kind of saying the opposite, oh, um, oh my Lord. which makes it so that a lot of people don't even want to try. Yes. And so I really just wanted to create something that um, that was accessible to people and, and sort of that attempted to prove, you know, how much good food you can have for very little. Imagine if Anthony Bourdain and Martha Stewart had a love child. And that little boy grew up to be a chef, writer, and cookbook author with an incredible passion for talking about all things food-related. And he had a radio show where he'd chat with smart, funny food personalities and celebrity chefs. And they'd talk about the most provocative topics and recipes, ingredients, and tips. Legally, we can't confirm that boy is Mike Ward, but you're listening to Devour with Chef Mike Ward on Sirius XM, Channel 167, Canada Talks. Hi guys, Mike Ward here. Episode 3, Devour, with yours truly. As you figured out, I'm having a great chat with Leanne Brown. This woman, for me, when she was first mentioned to me a couple of months ago and I was told about her book, I just got so excited about it. Yes, I am openly gushing about her. What she does to me is so inspiring right now. In fact, it's the antithesis, I think, of of a lot of clutter that is in the food media space in terms of the television and the, the social media and, and the way that we absorb uh, recipe ideas, ingredient ideas, and everything surrounding food. She is cutting the clutter of the idea that, you know what, you can do this. You can make it happen. You can quite literally cook amazing food for four bucks and under a dish. But in spite of the book, I mean, if you can afford more than $4 a dish, there is so much tremendous learning in this. And she talks a lot about 
what I love talking about, which is this idea of just approach food from a fearless manner and you will grow exponentially in terms of your ability to cook great food, but more importantly, your passion to create good food. She's such a true fan of hers and I really think what she's doing is 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 spectacular and and really revolutionary. At the end of the show, I'm going to throw a couple of recipes up on my website, chefmikeward.com, that for me kind of uh, mirror what she's talking about in terms of taking everyday ingredients and making dishes that are greater than the sum of its parts. So have a look out for that. And guys, again, amazing comments coming back from you. I love your feedback. Keep it coming. ChefMikeWord.com has all my social handles. You can get to me through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Right now, let's get back to my chat with Leanne. Devour. With Chef Mike Ward. Part of the reason why I have such a big crush on you is because <laughs> you your your philosophy resonates so much with what I love about food and what and how I like to talk about cooking and particularly the recipes that I develop. In that I think it's a catch twenty two nowadays. In that this whole celebrity chef culture has given rise to people being more inquisitive and learning about food, which I think is great for our industry. But I yeah. do I do think the flip side is that it's also yeah. put food on a pedestal for a lot of people and. Nothing mm-hmm. bugs me more <laughs> than when celebrity chefs meander around through herb gardens and will have you believe that you can't cook a, a decent meal unless you are using the right. freshest, the best, the organic, free range. And we all know when a chef goes into his or her kitchen that morning, they walk into that cooler, they look at what they need to make something out of today, and they exactly. make something better than the sum of its parts. Exactly. What's starting to go off? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why aren't most chefs and cooks talking about this? I think it can sometimes be difficult a difficult message to hear maybe because it isn't the sexy part about it you know yes. like when we talk about the you know those slightly wilted vegetables in the bottom of the crisper and how like it's such a wonderful experience to take like the wilted vegetables in the bottom of the crisper and make like you know a beautiful quiche out of them like that's yeah. an incredibly satisfying experience but does it make necessarily good tv you know is it sort of as clearly <laughs> as wonderful an experience to watch as it actually is to experience i'm not sure um i would watch a show like that all day long personally <laughs> well i think it's a message that is starting to get out there but i totally agree with you i think that's so true that it's on the one hand i love that the sort of food network sort of celebrity chef culture is making people be much more interested in food. You know, there's such an incredible variety of foods from all over the world that are much more readily available. People are pretty well educated about food and sort of the food options that they have. And that's great. But you're right. I think the other side of it is sometimes people can get a little bit intimidated and sort of think, Oh, I can't just cook a pot of beans. That's not good enough. You know, <laughs> yes. that's not real cooking. Yeah. I think sometimes you even get stuck in like what we define oh yeah. cooking as. When I talk with groups, I say, you know what, like scrambling an egg and putting it on some toast is yeah. totally cooking. That's totally cooking. Anything, you know, where you're feeding yourself and it's something that you're enjoying and and if you can take a moment and think like, what do I really like? You know, do I like to put dill in my um, in my eggs, is that something that I'm going to enjoy? Oh, it is something that I'm enjoying. Then that is, you know, you're taking that extra step to really make something your own. And that is such a satisfying experience. And that's really all that cooking is. It doesn't have to be obviously like iron chef level every time. Well, um, that's a little bit much. That would be, I think, a little bit of a stressful life. I think we want to make cooking a part of our daily life that just enhances our lives rather than taking over. I had Curtis Stone on the show the other day, and we talked a lot about how real creativity in the kitchen comes from when you're handcuffed by oh my gosh, yeah, ingredients or. <laughs> 
or a budget. <laughs> and that's what I love so much about your cookbook is that you're creating food that is so much more than the sum of its parts. You're not making dishes out of crappy, low-end frozen wieners. <laughs> you're using a lot of fresh ingredients. Yes, absolutely. That's sort of, you know, everyday kind of cooking that is really like what makes up the bulk of, of most of our meals. You know, we don't sort of, most of us are not going to sit down to like the world's most incredible um, surprising meal every night. It's going to be made up of the sort of stuff that's familiar to us or stuff that we, um, that, that we happen to have in our kitchen. And I agree. I think what that attitude I think is so healthy. And I think that's something that is a wonderful thing to sort of aspire to. And I personally have had that experience many times that, um, you know, the best food um, that I'll come up with, whether it's, you know, a recipe that I'm going to share with people or just something that I'm sharing with my family is, when, you know, I have big restrictions, that's where the most uh, yeah. creativity can come up. Because sometimes yeah. when you just go in and you go, I can make anything, it's like, I get totally <laughs> overwhelmed. I usually come up with like a hundred different things yeah. and I can't, I just can't decide. Yeah. But when you have restrictions, it can be really exciting. I think the one thing I think for, for people like you and I who sort of have pretty solid experience in education is to remember that it does take a little while to get there you have to sort of develop, you know, you do have to have some experience cooking before you can feel really solid and certain about some of those restrictions and about sort of knowing, like having the confidence to, um, to look in your fridge or, or go into the grocery store and sort of go like, Oh, Hey, look, that's what's on sale this week. That's what's in season. I know I have the confidence that I can go home and make something great out of that. I do think that that can take a little bit of time to build up sort of that level of confidence. But I think that's sort of what people like you and I should be focusing on trying to get people there. I completely agree with you. A recent study came out about food wastage. 41% in North America, food we buy gets wasted or thrown out. In contrast to in food services and restaurants, that's 8% is wasted. That tells me that there's a lot, I think, that we can learn as home cooks from the way chefs and food professionals manage exactly. their kitchen because they see food simply as dollars and cents. You say six things in your book that I absolutely love that for me is the cornerstone of how a mm -hmm. professional runs a kitchen. One, buy foods that can be used yeah. in multiple meals. Two, buy in bulk. Three, yeah. start building a pantry. Four, think weekly. Five, yeah. think seasonally. And six, more vegetables means more flavor. Yeah. You look at food through the lens <laughs> of a chef, through a food professional. Right, right. And I think we can all learn so much from that. We have to have um, a little bit of fearlessness. And we also have to, to think about it on a practical scale. I think so often a lot of us, you know, I've talked to so many, especially I think I you know people sort of who look like me, you know, young sort of urban women, you know, tend to sometimes go grocery shopping and shop with excitement and expectations for, you know, oh man, I'm going to make so much good food this week. I'm going to eat so many vegetables. I'm going to make so many salads. And then, you know, I'm going to go to the farmer's market and get all this beautiful stuff. But then, you know, reality steps in and they may not have the time to sort of prepare all those things, or they may be disappointed in something that they're trying because it doesn't necessarily match their taste. It's something that they saw on Instagram and thought looks really great. <laughs> That's not as exciting. You know, it's these sorts of experiences that can be really um, deflating. And then you sort of look at your food that you've bought at the end of the week and you are wasting a great deal of it, which is, you know, that's why one of the, the things that people quite often will call me up and sort of say, Hey, Leanne, can you tell me your top tips for saving money on food? And um, especially on fruits and vegetables, which are seen as sort of this very expensive thing, like something that is, almost optional. Um, 
when, you know, I think that needs to really be the bulk of a lot of the food that we're buying. And I'll say, you know, the one sort of thing, which almost doesn't sound like a tip, is just like, don't go buy more fruits and vegetables until you've used up the ones you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, just make sure, like, look in your fridge, look in your basket, and just make sure that you're using everything up. Even if it's just like, oh, yeah, remembering to put the bananas that are almost done in the freezer so you can make banana bread. Even if it's just something like that, like take care of the stuff that you have and don't think, oh my gosh, it's not looking perfect and crispy and as beautiful as it was on the day I bought it and so I can't do something with it. You can do something with it and it should be your goal and sort of your restriction that you're giving on yourself just like a restaurant chef would, that you have to finish those things, you have to use up um, efficiently uh, the resources you have before you go off and, and sort of buy more stuff. I have this secret dream that I would love to take every aspiring cook and 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 take them into a professional kitchen and show them how they run it because I think what's a bit of a negative flip side of Instagram and food social media is that there is a degree of food shaming that goes on whether we know we're producing it or not it's it, there's there's a lot of food media that we consume and I'm certainly guilty of this that makes you feel inadequate totally so most of the most popular Instagram accounts are things that are run by professional you know photographers yeah. and food stylists and often yeah. occasionally the food is not even edible um, yeah. because it's either not necessarily because it's actually inedible but maybe it's been sprayed with some stuff or they put some shiny stuff on it to make it look better or you know these are people who sort of that's their job and they can find the perfect lighting and fuss and tweeze and do all this stuff and which is sort of one of the reasons why my sort of aesthetic in the book well I think it's I try to make things as beautiful as I possibly can mm -hmm. all the food needs to be really real and ultimately all it is is just piling it in the center of the plate <laughs> and kind of like making sure it looks relatively clean you know there's not too many batters like food is so beautiful in and of itself and you get some nice natural light on there like some sun and you have something really beautiful already um and that's, you know, that's actually accessible. That isn't sort of based on like the yeah. incredible um, platter that you have that's, you know, $750 and, you know, this amazing wood table you have. There's a lot of that stuff, which is, you know, I mean, all that stuff is beautiful and, and it's fun and it's great to, to aspire to all of these things. I think it's totally fine. It's just that we have to banish that belief that, you know, if we're not up to that standard, somehow we're not really cooking and we're not doing a good enough job. 30% of food harvested is tossed away because it doesn't conform to the aesthetic criteria of supermarkets and consumer demands. But right. the flip side is, is supermarkets around the world are starting to embrace what I call ugly fruits and vegetables with kind of fun <laughs> marketing campaigns and they're selling them at reduced prices. I think this is incredible. It was introduced by a couple of major chains in Europe. Australia has embraced it. Supermarkets in Canada are starting to. I know in the US they are too. What is the biggest mistake people make when they go to the supermarket? Oh man, the classic thing, you always do want to have a list. <laughs> you know, you don't want to go in completely um, open, but at the same time, you also want to have some flexibility. Mm -hmm. Like the way that I, that I tend to shop, and again, this may not work for everyone, um, but it, it certainly has worked for me over the years, is to sort of go you know, something in this zone, like I need some type of a green leafy thing. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for some fruit, whatever is in season. I'm looking for some um, vegetables that are cruciferous or something like that. Like I'll sort of give myself What was that word you just category. used there? Vegetables that are what? <laughs> cruciferous vegetables. <laughs> 
You're listening to Devour on Sirius XM, Channel 167, Canada Talks. And to cure your cravings, get online at chefmikeward.com for hundreds of tasty, simple recipes and a whole lot more. Do I want, you know, some broccoli or some cauliflower or something like that, like a cow or a vegetable like that? Right. So sort of giving yourself a general guideline, but still kind of being open to, yeah. you know, oh, I, if I don't get, you know, the can of chipotles that is called for in my recipe, mm-hmm. you know, I can't make the whole thing. Like mm-hmm. you want to kind of give yourself a little bit of flexibility. You're mentioning, you know, this great marketing campaign to sort of get ugly fruit and vegetables vegetables out there. It's fantastic. And, you know, the reason that we sort of have to do that now is, of course, because of supermarket culture, which is sort of based on the belief that, you know, people will only buy the sort of most attractive, best looking stuff. You Mm -hmm. know, that's why we have perfectly round tomatoes that are ripened with gas on the truck rather than actually on the trees so that we can make sure that there's no dents on it. Like all these kinds of things that have sort of happened um, out of the idea that people sort of shop with with their eyes mm-hmm. um, and not necessarily with as much knowledge about what they really should be looking for, um, understandably. And so a lot of that has been totally created by uh, by grocery store mm-hmm. chains who've encouraged this sort of behavior. And now to to kind of go back on that a little bit is is refreshing and um, and hopefully they'll sort of start to be successful with that. But you know, it's it will probably take some time for people to kind of reprogram themselves to sort of see. Uh, seafood in a slightly different way. I think it's interesting. I, I I secretly cross my fingers for a shift, and I I think it does come from people like you, and even the world's big heavy hitters, the Jamie Olivers and the like. And I, yeah. I've I've watched major food publications and and big websites even start adopting more of a you know what we call a messy photographic style in the food world which you talked on in terms of your book I love that I think that as we you know food becomes something that we share and celebrate more and more the idea that 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 just that opening aesthetic that we see in magazines and books is driving that train as well. Where once in the 60s and 70s, we we very much, you know, we loved pristine plating. And now, (laughs) and and, and now it's become fashionable to not. Yes, dim lighting. And now it's very visceral and it's very on the plate and it's sure it's manicured and it's optimized for the camera, but it still looks like something that I can cook. Yeah, it's the stuff that we look at, you know, those sort of crispy edges that maybe aren't perfect, but really, you know, speak to, I think, our most, uh, I don't know, visceral desires when we are eating. It's like, does it really look delicious? And I think that that seems to be much more what people are going for now is not like, does this look, you know, perfect or restaurant-y or whatever it is they're going for, but really like, does this look really delicious? And, you know, would I want to pick this up? You know, even if there's like sauce flowing out the sides and all like there's a lot of really, really messy stuff that we absolutely love. Like, you know, the best burger around is going to be like incredibly juicy with cheese flowing off the side and, and all this kind of thing. And, and embracing that is definitely um, a part of sort of changing you know all of that the u.s sits very high on on the chart of developed nations in terms of its daily caloric intake per person yet Mm -hmm. in the u.s we spend a lot less on food than other developed nations so for instance the u.s spends half per person than what the french do on food that obviously speaks to the notion of 
we don't have a great relationship with food. Many of us see food as simply a fuel. In fact, it's something that we need to do during the day. We don't take time for whatever reasons to enjoy it. I see what you're doing as attempting to shift that mentality. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I think one of the worst habits that, um, that a lot of us have, and, and I am totally... I do this all the time and I always beat myself up about it is eating, you know, while working, yeah. um, not stopping to actually like take a proper break. Um, not only will you, I mean, it's so it almost, it's so obvious at this point, <laughs> but like if you're not thinking about what you're, if you're not actually taking a break and eating, you don't even realize how much you're eating. Leanne, you're kind of doing God's work out there. You, you can take a break every now and then. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, taking a break is so important. And so you know how much you're eating. Um, you're allowing yourself that moment to kind of, you know, whether it's center yourself, get a good idea. I mean, I get almost all my best ideas when I take a break and go for a walk around mm -hmm. the block, um, you know, eat something, think about something else. Um, I will usually, that's the moment when I'll have a breakthrough of an idea yeah. or yeah. realize, like, oh my gosh, that sentence I've been struggling with for the last few hours is so obvious yeah. whatever the case whatever your work is I think we all have that and food um, food can facilitate that kind mm -hmm. of thing if we sort of let it rather than um, I think what so many of us get in the habit of doing and which you know m a lot of modern workplaces really encourage which is mm -hmm. sitting at your desk and eating I mean part of it is not just it doesn't just come from us as individuals I think it's very empowering to think of everything as um, oh if I change myself and you know at this time of year, again, January is sort of when a lot of people are trying to make these big personal changes. And I think that's so admirable. But a lot of it is it's cultural. It's, yeah. it's really, really difficult to fight against that. If your boss thinks you shouldn't be away from your desk or your boss sort of is passive aggressive and, and sort of muttering about when you take a lunch break, um, you're not going to be encouraged to go and do that, even though it will probably make you a better worker. I think that's why I was, I've been fired from every job I've ever had. <laughs> Did you demand your lunch break? You're listening to Devour on Sirius XM, Channel 167, Canada Talks. And to cure your cravings, get online at chefmikeward.com for hundreds of tasty, simple recipes and a whole lot more. I need my 20 minutes. Yes, I bought in my portable burner. I'm going to cook right here in the office. Mike, we need you to leave. Let's talk about shopping seasonally. I think a lot of people are intimidated by that term. I think uh, a lot of people have a, a decent base knowledge of what what may be available in the height of summer in terms of fruit and vegetables. My yeah. basic formula is I go into a supermarket and I look for what's ever cheapest because if it's cheap, it means it's yeah. plentiful and it's flooding the market. That to me tells me it's in season. What other tips and tricks can you offer for shopping in season short of getting at your phone in a supermarket and struggling through long lists of what's in right now and what's not? I mean, what's your basic go-to when you walk in and you're looking to shop seasonally? So I think it's actually very similar to what you just said. Um, I'd say rather than you know, getting too in the weeds about like, I mean, right now it's citrus season and that's really obvious. You can see so many um, oranges and of uh, various kinds and, and lemons and grapefruit and all this wonderful stuff. Um, but it's not always all that obvious. And I think, as you said before, you know, the reality is that eight months of the year, we are getting food from all over the place. And so what is seasonal um, has kind of become a little bit shifty and a little bit uncertain, mm -hmm. but usually it is the stuff that is the most plentiful 
um, and that is the most inexpensive. And if you, you know, if you really want to know, and you can always ask the people who are working at the store, they almost always know. Um, that said, um, there are times of year where you're probably going to be buying stuff that is, you know, see, I mean, again, citrus, citrus is not grown in the U S or Canada, really. I mean, it's grown down in Florida, but those aren't <laughs> anyway, it's from all over the world. Yes. And so it is in season somewhere, but it is still being shipped sort of to where we are. Um, so it, it kind of depends on your goals. I think that, um, Eating seasonally is, of course, very much about flavor, um, and that's a big, big reason for doing it. The stuff that's in season and mm-hmm. very plentiful tends to be um, at its best, um, and it's also the most inexpensive. And so it's really about, it's not only an opportunity, I think the attitude to have towards shopping seasonally is not to be a purist about it, um, but to kind of be guided by it. Like at this time of year, you know, I tend to eat a lot of oranges and I tend to feature citrus in a lot of my salads and that sort of thing because they're what's around and what's best. And eating seasonally can be a fun way really, or at least somewhat seasonally to just have variety in your diet. Like it's a way to sort of follow the natural um, ebb and flow of the world and this way the seasons are changing around the world um, that allow you to have just variety, straight up variety in your diet, which is something that um, we should all kind of have. Like you may not have it uh, week to week at this time of year, you know, we're eating maybe more root vegetables, more sort of hearty stews, that kind of thing. Fewer of those like really fresh, you know, summery kinds of things. Um, but you sort of know if this is how you eat and kind of how you organize your diet and your shopping, that at some point things will change and then you'll start eating a little bit more of this. Mm-hmm. And you know what, maybe you'll miss some of the heartier meals that you've had um, in the winter. What's next for you? Finally, we've been working on this for ages. Um, Good and Cheap is going to come out in the Spanish edition um, this summer in, in May or June. And so that will be fantastic to be able to get that out there for for uh, so many folks who we've been trying to reach for a long time. Leanne Brown, this has been a blast. Folks can reach you on leannebrown.com. That's L-E-A-N-N-E brown.com. I've, I've spent a lot of time drooling over your recipes. I am a huge fan of what you do. Please continue it. I wasn't being facetious. You are doing God's work. And um, <laughs> thanks for your time and we'll chat soon. You're very kind. Thank you. It was really fun. That is the gracious Leanne Brown. In my opinion, a, a ray of sunlight in the food media space. Uh, you can download the cookbook for free, PDF format, at her website, Leanne Brown, L-E-A-N-N-E Brown.com. But even better, if you buy the book, she gives a copy, a hard copy, to those that can't download it and those that really need the cookbook the most. The recipes are phenomenal. It's not just about the fact that they're very inexpensive. It is about creating great food that is the sum greater than the sum of its parts speaking of recipes it is a philosophy i adore chefmikeward.com i post a few recipes that follow that mindset i hope you enjoy them and uh please talk to me let me know what you want to hear let me know what you think of the show instagram twitter facebook chefmikeward.com has all the social handles as long as i'm hearing from you i will continue doing what i'm doing and i'm loving it and i'll see you next week